I think that was it for right now. Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. And we thank you for an opportunity to worship you in giving. And now as we look into your word, we ask that we'll fall upon the good soil of our hearts, that we will grow thereby, and that it will grow up to be a mighty oak in our lives, and that we will live according to your precepts, your principles, and that we will go forward according to your power. We thank you and we acknowledge you in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are into our third, uh, sorry, our second episode of our series entitled Advent. By the by, today is the first Sunday of Advent. And so in this second episode, my opening statement is this. At Advent, we tend to focus on the birth of Jesus, but we miss the point if we don't also speak about his return. We focus on the birth of Jesus, but we miss the point if we do not speak about his return. And so as we have gone through this journey, we have ran into our first episode. Our first episode was called last week, the explanation of Advent, where we laid out all the things that we do today based upon the historical records of how they celebrated the event. And the first Sunday of Advent, which is defined by the word hope, causes us to have as our subtopic today the unveiled promise for hope. The unveiled promise for hope. Our definitions are Advent. Advent is... A coming, appropriately the coming of our Savior and in the calendar, it includes four Sundays before Christmas. The next word is hope. Hope is the act of explaining, expounding, or interpreting. Exposition, illustration, interpretation. The act of clearing from obscurity and making intelligible. Hope. We're going to be in Luke, the 21st chapter today, verses 25 through 36 in the English Standard Version. And here's Jesus talking, and he says it like this. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth, distress of nature in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up. And raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the leaves. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. 
Truly I say to you that this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Father, we thank you for your word. May it fall upon the good soul of our heart in Jesus' name. Now you're probably saying, well, how that relate to hope? What Jesus is bringing out in, in, in this scripture is that you can have hope that the word is true because I'm telling you what's going to happen before the return happens. He's encouraging the people to say, keep praying, keep doing, keep your focus on the right things. Because it's so much easier for us to fall into the trap of looking at what's going on around us and believing that what's going on around us is more true than the promise that the Lord has given. Because everybody understands fear. Everyone understands what it is to be afraid. But actually hope and fear cannot dwell in the same location. We see that in this that Jesus is bringing up, he is bringing up the fact that all these things are going to happen. It's going to be an indication that things are coming to an end. Every couple of years you hear some new uh, religious leader say that Jesus is coming at such and such a time and such and such a date and then when that date passes they make the excuse that he came but you just missed him. But the thing that we, we see that Jesus put into these words is that the whole earth is going to know. Bless you. Hope you caught all of it. Uh, it is a great and mighty thing to know that God is good. And God has planned all this out according to his plan. That everyone will see his glory. That everyone will see his majesty. That everyone will know that he is the king of all the kings. He is the Lord of all the world. The problem is, is that those that are unprepared will have an increase in fear. They will have an increase in uh, giving up. And they, they will have an increase in all the negative emotions that come with not being prepared. Makes my mind wander over to the scripture that talks about the parable of the foolish virgin, uh, virgins and the wise virgins. That the wise virgins made sure that they had oil to be able to 
see in the darkness. While the foolish virgins just impromptu ran out there and got and went to the chamber. And it says when the bridegroom came, the wise virgins were able to trim their lamps and go out too. But the foolish virgins didn't have any oil, so they weren't able to go out. And they asked the wise virgins for a little bit of their oil. And they said, heck no, we ain't giving you none of our oil. You should have prepared. And so we have to be with the same mindset. We have to make sure that we are ready so we don't have to what? Get ready. Because if you have to get ready when it's time to be ready, guess what? You won't be ready. So we want to ensure that we are ready when the time is coming. That is why we had this thing in the military called battle drills, where we would do these drills over and over again. So when a situation occurred, we would be ready. And so in this little snippet of verses that we run into is that Jesus is saying all these uh, situations are going to occur. All this is going to happen. But don't let it overwhelm your heart. Because as we said before, that hope is a confident expectation of the promise. You want me to say that again? Yes. Hope is. Hope is. Thank you. I, I could, the word just ran out of my mind. The confident expectation of the promise. I said, what was that C word? I couldn't. Sorry. Okay. Hope is the confident expectation of the promise. If you remember last week, I was talking about uh, giving an example of when it came time to go pick up my first bicycle and how I had this expectation that it was all going to happen. And as we were driving to the place, I, I just knew it was going to happen. And when we got there, I was closer to it happening. And then next thing I know, I was walking out with my green swing bicycle. I can still see it right now. Ride like a wind, like a wind on the swing. There you go, baby. Come on now. The, the thing is, when you have this confident expectation, it could have rained that day. I still would have knew I'm going to get my bicycle. You, you, everything that comes against you in a negative does not overpower you because you are confident that it's going to happen in your life. Yes. So this is the same thing. Jesus is saying all these things are going to happen. These, these wars and, 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 and all these things are going to happen. All this craziness is going to happen. But the thing is, it is setting up for the promise to be made manifest. There's a saying that we have that is always darkest before the dawn. David said it like this. He says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so as we look at this, we see where Jesus said the dispensation 
Dissipation and drunkenness are sins which are out of character for a Christian. But there is no sin so great, but a great saint may fall into it. There is no saint so great that he may fall into a great sin. There is no sin that is so great that it can overcome a person, a person that is focused on the hope that Jesus is going to return. Like manner, there is no person that is so great that they cannot fall. So we have to have this mindset that the cares of life are trying to overcome us, trying to pull us down. The, the pride of life is trying to pull us back and trying to put us in a state that causes a disconnection with the Father. But the key to this is your level of preparedness. The other thing that I did not bring out is that when you have a confident expectation of a promise, then you also have a expectation, excuse me, an expectation for preparation. If you know you're getting ready to get a bike, then today you got to make sure that you got your helmet, you got your elbow pads, you got your hand pads, you got your knee pads. You got your ankle pads, you got your thigh pads, you got your shoulder pads, so that you, if you happen to fall off the bike, you just bounce back up and land back on the bike because you're so padded up. Now, when I came up, all you got was the bike, all right? And you learn by hitting that street, and once that street tore you up a couple of times, you learn how to balance a little bit better, all right? But my, my, my point is there's a preparation that you go through sometimes it's mentally when I, I get this item or when this happens this is what I'm going to do so I need to make sure I'm right for when it happens right. and so we can see that even in this that Jesus is talking about the end of all things and that even in the end, in verse 35, he talks about this being the end. He says, you still have a special level of responsibility in these situations. So the prayer that he's telling us that we should be praying, he is talking about us to have an attitude of life, an attitude that seeks to put away the lust of the eye. The cares of life, the pride of life, all these things that will try to pull us away from the presence of God. That our preparation is to overcome these things. And if we slip and fall, that we ask for forgiveness and he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that we can serve God with gladness. So that we can pursue God with passion. So that we can stand as a beacon of light to the world. So that when Jesus returns, we can stand in front of him as a vessel of honor. So when Jesus is saying or 
When we are hearing the word wait, it does not mean do nothing. It means to be in a mindset of preparation. That we stay alert, that we're looking at the times and that we are interceding for situations, that we are encouraging one another, that we are lifting one another up. And so this time period of Advent, this, this coming, this recognition that Jesus has come in order to fulfill the initial promise. But he's coming again to bring the, initial, uh, the promise totally to completion. Yes, it's always good to talk about the little bitty baby wrapped in swaddling clothing, lying in a manger, born, born, born in Bethlehem. But the even better thing is, to see the king of kings who has fulfilled the will of the father and is coming as the king. He is coming to reveal the other part of the promise. That we will go and we will be able to sit in the mansion that has been prepared for us. That we will be in a place where sin's very presence will no longer be a part of our lives. That every day you won't be getting up saying, oh Lord, here we go back into the battle. It will be a day of celebration. And so Advent is a way of reminding us that we are just pilgrims. We are just ambassadors that are traveling into a foreign land, now, a broken world. And that the brokenness of the world is not how it's always going to be. That the true king is coming and when he comes, he's going to set things straight. One of the things, I like kung fu movies. I love kung fu movies. I enjoy kung fu movies. And one of the things that I have learned because I also like history, is seeing how in uh, China and Japan, uh, they, the, the king's intention is always to make things better as they see things being better. And typically, their better means for themselves instead of the people. So then somebody rises up in order to defeat that king because he is not taking care of the people. And that's why I, it, the, the correlation for me is that that is when you are in yourself and your uh, focus is on self, you do things for yourself. But Jesus is coming back to bring us into the kingdom that he has already established, the kingdom that he has already set up, and we can willingly become a part of that kingdom. We don't have to have an emperor tell us how we need to live. We have a king that has outside the very recesses of time who has established what we need to do in order to live. We have 
now come to this this time, this this precious time of the year where we are excited about the confident expectation, the hope of the promise. And we can look back in history and we can see that it came to pass that some 14, 15 year old young lady who was selected in order to bring the Savior into the world was given a message from Gabriel and because of the message she had hope and realizing that her betrothed husband ha could put her away, God then sends the message to him to let, them, let him know that this is what's going on and not to put her away. So he then becomes the covering for his wife. Now let me let me let me run down this alley real quick because I think it's, it's very important for us to understand. In those days, when a betrothal betrothal was made, they were considered married. But the woman would stay with the family for a, approximately a year while the man went out and prepared a house. Listen to that. The man went out to prepare her a house for them to live together. So this time period that they were in was that Joseph was going out preparing to have this place for him and Mary to live. In the eyes of everybody else, they were married. And so this does not give you... No, you know what, I'm going to leave that alone. So this is how this was set up. And then we, we saw in the scriptures uh, where it says that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, but they live in Galilee. But then God has an announcement made that we need to go to the place of your family's resident, uh, ancestry in order to conduct a census. And guess who had to go to Bethlehem? Joseph. And why did Mary have to go? Because she was his bride. Just to help everybody understand that. And so as we see how God has orchestrated all this so that the word of God will be true and every man a liar. We can see how God has orchestrated this situation. But if I may modernize this just a bit. It seems to me that this time period seems to be the time where we have the least amount of hope. The least amount of confidence. The least of, we seem to have an attitude that I ain't going to have enough money. I'm not going to be doing all, uh, being able to do all the things that I want to do. I am not going to be happy. That my values and my finances and my relationships are all jacked up during this time. 
I've said it before that when I was growing up that uh, my baby sister every Christmas got herself in trouble because she could get everything that she picked in that JCPenney's catalog and still have a reason not to be happy. And she got some happy juice after that. And then she would, you know, I don't know if you ever heard this boy before that, uh, you know, sometimes parents say, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Yeah, yeah, she, she, was the, she was the epitome of that. She would get something to cry about. <laughs> so what we, have, what we can see is that we have this runaway consumerism during this time period instead of this time of celebrating the hope that this is not how things are going to be, that things are going to get better. No, I need to buy more. I need to get more debt. I need to put on more. I need to make things look like I'm doing so much better. And I, this is the problem that is taking our hope away because when we look at it, we can see that I don't really have hope outside of the things that I have. And if that car, that house, or whatever breaks down, it causes nothing more than additional pain and anguish. So what we have to look at is that hope can, can actually be a very tricky thing to comprehend because everything around us says that we should settle because that's just the way life is or that life altogether is hopeless. However, the message during this time, during this time of Advent, of coming, is that God is a God of hope who causes us to look beyond the circumstances and trust again in his promises. The confident expectation that his promise is going to be fulfilled. What it reveals is that Jesus' arrival centuries ago was significant. But I don't know what word is greater than significant, but his second time is going to be even more powerful. Because he's going to be calling out those that have become a part of the family and saying, we're going to have a worldwide universal family reunion, so let's go. And he's going to call all of us back so that we can celebrate with him. So we have to grab hold of this confident expectation that when he returns that he is going to be fulfilling his promise to take us back to be with him for all eternity. When I started out we, with my opening thought I said at Advent, we tend to focus on the birth of Jesus. But we miss the point if we don't also speak about his return. Which makes me, or provokes me to have this final thought. God is a God of hope. 
who calls us to look beyond the circumstance and trust again in his promises. I'm going to say it one more time. God is a God of hope who causes us to look, who calls us to look beyond the circumstance and trust again in his promises. So that we can actually operate in the power of trusting in the Lord. Because if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on to your own understanding and acknowledge him in all your ways, he will direct your path. Today, if you've heard this and you say, you know what, I really don't have any hope. I really don't think that hope is something that I should really be pursuing, I want to encourage you that it is something for all of us. But the first key to hope is to have a relationship with Jesus. Having a relationship with Jesus positions us to have an ability to look past our current circumstances to see what it is that God has really promised to us. And to have Jesus be a part of our life is very, very simple. The Bible says it like this. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word that you have heard over and over again in those three verses is saved. Saved means to be rescued and or delivered from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we want you to grab hold of this and accept that Jesus has come into your life. He desires to be a part of your life. He wants to assist you in this life, preparing you for eternal life. And we don't want you to do this by yourself. We say it quite simply that this is not an individual event, but a team sport. We want to come alongside you and assist you along this journey. So we ask that if you have made that decision today, that you will contact us at info at godshousecc.com or text us at 864-920-0100. Let us know that you've made that decision no matter where you are on this earth. And we will come alongside you and assist you along this journey. Well, friends and family, that's episode number two in the book, Advent Sunday number one, Hope. And we call the subtopic is the unveiling promise for hope, which is Jesus. Amen. Which is Jesus. 
Next week, we're going to go into episode number three. We hope that you find occasion to come and spend it with us at 642 Fairview Road here in Simpsonville, South Carolina. We would be more than delighted to have you. So until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.